we know all the public wants to know is like where can they get their next next you know chicken sandwich and what kind of burgers to eat and top 10 pizzas in bushwick and <laughs> what's in my pina colada for the summertime and top 10 this is just Crowley. top 10 places to go have a pancake <laughs> God help us all, Admiral. God help us all. All right, we got to take it from the top because we're in a studio today, not at a restaurant. Yeah, we should be at a restaurant. Why we're not at a restaurant? It's because that restaurant is uh, dead. Well, we could have gone, gone there. I blame you. We, we, we didn't think fast enough. Anyway, what, what, so what, 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 what are we talking about today? We are talking about the Four Seasons, the restaurant, not the hotel. Totally different thing. Just closed. Four Seasons Restaurant. Last uh, week. For those who, uh, for people who don't know, the Four Seasons Restaurant is uh, probably the most iconic restaurant ever to be in Midtown Manhattan. I don't know. Probably. Uh, so they say. So it's open. It opened. Uh, when did it open? Six, 1960. No, uh, 1959. Seagram's Building is a, a beautiful modernist uh, skyscraper on um, 52nd Street. Shiny black setback from the. Set back from the, 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 the roiling chaos of the sidewalk, uh, designed by probably the most famous modernist architect, Mies van der Rohe. So this, uh, build, this restaurant was opened in the ground floor. Philip Johnson uh, designed uh, one of the rooms, arguably the most, there's two rooms. One is called the pool room, one is called the grill room. Johnson, he may have designed both, but I think he, the grill room is the, is the most beautiful and iconic. Anyway, open in 59. A famous watering hole for the uh, power elite, for all captains of industry. Captains of industry. If you're for a big swinging dick in New York City. Excuse that's where you go have lunch. Excuse me. Excuse yeah. Me? No, not not everybody. There's different kinds of fat cats in New York. This is a certain kind of uh, moneyed, sophisticated, culturally aware fat cat, and other. Uh, cultural fat cats would mingle among these fat cats. If, and in fact, they weren't really fat cats. If you went to the Four Seasons, especially the, 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 the power hour at the Four Seasons famously was lunchtime. It was at the grill room. And the grill room, uh, is, um, there's a, quite a sort of an uncomfortable bar in one corner. These beautiful, tall cathedral windows, uh, um, which are set with these shimmering curtains, uh, these shimmering metal sort of chain mail curtains. And so you're, you, you feel like you're the, in this oasis. And there are tables in the, in the middle of the room. And then there are these banquettes uh, along the eastern side. And it's really, those are the prize banquettes. And there's a, a little level above those banquettes for tables for people who basically they didn't want seen. So for the hoi polloi. Yeah, or, or wh- whoever. If you were led to the second level, it means basically they didn't know who you were and you were nobody and they wished you to be invisible. But these banquettes on the ground floor were reserved for these uh, fat cats, captains of industry, uh, you know, through the ages, uh, Johnson himself, uh, Pete Peterson. And I, I would liken it when I never got to sit in one of those. I think I, maybe once or twice. But it was really like we, watching walruses on a rock. You know, with all their, you know, sitting out in the sun, with, the, with relating to each other, and people paying court to them. It was really quite a quite a scene. Quite a scene. But it sounds o- horrible. It was quite a scene. And over time, the the walruses died off, or they left town, <laughs> or so you had so you had a smaller and smaller colony. And the last time I went there, I went there with uh, two writer friends of mine, uh, 
Four Seasons was a famous hangout uh, for some uh, during during the days of the, the sort of high flying uh, magazine days. Uh, Art Cooper, who was a famous high flying editor uh, for GQ, and he, uh, it was sort of Cooper's canteen. He would take writers there. He actually had a stroke there and died there, famously. Uh, and and I, I went there with a couple of couple of his old writers, and it was it was. Still the same, uh, you know. You went at the right hour, twelve thirty one. It's a lot of suits, a lot of murmuring. Uh, sort of this quiet sense of this quiet aura of uh, a sort of moneyed uh, stability and power. But it was really one seating, and we stayed late. And after about one thirty, everybody's gone, and they were sort of tight. It was almost like we were on a cruise ship, and the, the, the seating was over. And sort of the the the, the play the. The stage props went down, and it just looked like a regular place. It was like it was clear the party was over. Anyway, their their lease was not continued. They were kicked out. These owners were kicked out, and they have recently conducted an auction where all of the be- quite beautiful modernist knickknacks that made the restaurant what it is, a beautiful space, uh, tulip chairs and leather banquettes and... Uh, wine sconces or holders and cocktail glasses all went on sale, uh, went on auction, and fetched, wouldn't you say, absurd prices? I saw a story this morning that I think said somebody paid $10,000 for an ashtray from the restaurant. Four ashtrays. Four ashtrays. They, 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 and they each, with the four seasons, so each each ashtray was emblazoned uh, with one of a the different leaf. So you needed a set. And what I heard... I can't verify this. Is what I heard is that before the auction, they they were trying to rummage and find, find stuff, so they got a lot of it off of eBay, including these ashtrays, which they bought for a buck twenty-five. This the, the last set of four. I think there were three sets of four, and as as they kept, they went off the each lot went off the last one. People were going, "Oh, this is the last one," so they went bonkers and. Four little ashtrays sold for ten grand. This sounds more like an estate sale than a than a proper auction. I don't know what it was. It was a, certainly a frenzy. I mean, so, they, they had they had gold top bar tables, right? Which you you put your drink on when you were waiting for your table. Uh, I th- think they were designed by Saren and somebody like that. One of them went for like thirty eight grand. Thirty eight grand. Now, of course, they are collector items within the, that world. I mean, modernist collectors are looking for them, but. 38 grand. So, back up for a second. Why would we back up? 38 grand. It's too much, but that's always been the thing about that restaurant, is it's people, it it attracts a crowd of people who, they have more money than they know what to do. The signs which they ripped out of the facade, the sign that said Four Seasons went for something like 58 grand. Yeah. Why? You tell me. I don't know. We don't know. Nothing about this restaurant so, ever sounded appealing to me. Do you like? I liked it. I liked going. I never went for lunch. You never went once. I never went. What are we talking about it for? Well, these millennials. It sounded these horrid. millennials. What? Why are we even here discussing this? I understand this? that it was representative of a certain time. You just and see it place as you see in it, Manhattan. You see it as clickbait, basically. But for as long as I have lived in New York, yeah. which is a long time now, a while now, at least a year and a half, almost six months. <laughs> Uh, no, for, I don't know, for the last 20 years or something, that, that says the something. restaurant has been a place where my sense, and I think the general prevailing sense is, a bunch of old rich white people sitting there at lunch, patting themselves on the back, being old and rich, and paying too much money for crab cakes. You're not wrong, Admiral. One one never, actually, I actually reviewed the Four Seasons once, they, um, 
the owner, who was a, a flamboyant gentleman, Julian was one of the owners, Julian Nicolini, he hired a chef, uh, uh, an Italian chef, um, I think he was named Fabio Trabocchi, I think. This is about seven or eight years ago. He, the food at the Four Seasons was never a strong point. I think maybe now and then they had chefs. They may have had a famous chef starting. I'm, I'm never not, the I, strong point sounds like a I'm not a an expert. gentle. I'm not. I'm not. An, I'm not a. They are Four Seasons experts. They gussied up the menu. You're right. It was fa- famous for these crab cakes, which cost eighty five dollars, and uh, things with caviar on them. And they had buffalo burger and a burger. The burger was much lauded. And they had a lot of foie gras, a lot of champagne, selling a lot of wine. The wonderful wine list, you know, marked up 45 times. Anyway, so this Trilogy came. I think he came from D.C., did this progressive Italian. I mean, it was really, I thought it was really good. And I gave it a good review. And he was probably let go because the, the regulars, the walruses in the canteen, uh, said, what, you know, what is this stuff? You know, we want our crab cakes. Right. I want to. I want to read something. We uh, we did a story uh, at the end of the year that was at the end of last year after it was announced that this place was closing. Kind of asking some of the regulars uh, what uh, they remember or will remember. This is what Martha Stewart said about the food. Uh, this was her on the record, as diplomatic as she could be about it. I think the food is not the foremost interest to the guys who run the place. And then she says, when the food's not good, you just order oysters or clams or whatever. But, like, why not just go to a restaurant where the food is good? You, you don't go to the Four Seasons for the food. The food is fine. But, you know, the, you go to the Four Seasons because you feel like you're at, in, in the belly button of a certain universe, right? You're in this still, quiet place which is resonating with a certain kind of culture and power which we don't really see anymore that's why you go and yes everybody's male and wearing their pinstripe suits and uh you know yes it's a became a bit of a a faded kabuki kind of ritual at the end but there was no i don't think uh, greater more beautiful more emblematic dining space in the city and if you're going to sort of point to like the ex new york restaurant uh, certainly, for the, the, over the last fifty years, you'd have to say that you'd have to say the Four Seasons was the place that felt the most like a certain kind of New York. Did you have a? So you never went there. Never went. So what there was, was nothing about it. And I love all that mid-century design stuff. I love the architecture stuff. I just there was there was nothing about it that ever appealed to me or grabbed me. I would say that I was probably in the camp that a lot of people were. Where when it was closing, you kind of thought, oh, I should go check that out before it's too late. And then I just never did, and honestly, I have zero regrets about that. Well, you should have regrets because what I have like, done. What, I, I know you you don't, but I'm going to try and make you feel a little bit bad. <laughs> what the Four Seasons was, it was a it was a for 50 years or however long the run was. It was the it was it was where you went to see the lions. And it was a, it was an experience, and you could sometimes pretend you were a lion. You order your eighty dollar buffalo bison burger, and you. I remember the first time I went there. Actually, I went just by myself, and I, which is what you do when you're, in a, you know, you come to the city and you want to partake and sort of drink in these weird places and partake of them. Is you go to the bar and you just sort of hang out there, and it was actually a good bar. It was good. It was a. It's a, a four sided bar. You could sit at the bar. And you could peek over at this big open space, and you could see Philip Johnson in his favorite corner, and Pete Peterson, and other people that you should have known, but you didn't. And uh, you really felt like you were at a cathedral of some kind. You really were sort of in 
the center of a certain kind of New York. And so, I, 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 in that sense, I think if you didn't go there, uh, I think you missed out. It was a sight. It was a sight to see. M- much like, you know, actually better than going to the Wolman skating rink or watching the tree go up or all that mumbo jumbo. That you're that even you, comparing it to those that things you people for feel like I didn't riding the, miss out on too much. Riding the merry-go-round in Central Park was actually awesome. That's awesome. So the question we for us to discuss really is what, does this mean? Is this like, is this the end of a certain dining era? Is it the end of a cultural era? Do we really care about it? Now, clearly you don't really care. I found in the run up to its closing over the last year, food writers sort of endless fascination with this restaurant to be, I won't say confusing because I understand why, but just a little soporific. I just thought tedious, soporific, soporific, like it puts you to sleep. Like, this like, restaurant should have closed 20 years ago. Oh, man. I've, I will say this. Harsh. I don't have a lot of sympathy for the owners. Harsh. Well, that's or a, that's for the a whole clientele, but that's I do for the people who lost their jobs. So I want to I clear that. I want to clear the air. The people who worked there and lost their jobs as a result of its closing. But the fact that the restaurant actually closed. You don't care, do you? I, I really I, I, don't. I think they've always had trouble uh, drawing your crowd to that space. Partially because it's in mid People who like good food. No, just sort of, uh, you know, uh, adult millennials who, like, are clicking on the things on the Internet until their fingers fall off and just wander around at a constant days talking about cheeseburgers. Those people. Those people. Yeah, they're having trouble, you know, they're having trouble attracting those people because those people don't go to Midtown, first of all, and don't have, lo- don't have big heavy lunches and, you know, just don't do deals and just sort of text each other all day. So you can't, you can't dispute good- that. You can't dispute that. I wonder if there are any good Pokemon there. Oh, I'm sure there are awesome Pokemon. <laughs> Philip Johnson Pokemon. <laughs> you know, it was a court. It was, like, it was a court. It was a court, right? Like all these places, like, uh, you know, uh, My- Michael's, you know, the media, you know. Right. They all have their moment, especially in Midtown. And it, and and it, it comes and it goes and the four seasons had a long extended moment, and clearly it's gone. And you know, congratulations on those absurd prices they got. Uh, you know, it's uh, clearly it clearly it it, it uh, you know it has has resonance to um, the billions crowd. You watch the billions, Admiral? Oh, the show? Yeah, I haven't seen it. What do you do all day? Snapchat, Pokemon, <sighs> Twitter. Just the internet, just clicking. Click, 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 click. <laughs> but so, is this the end of an era? What What does its closing represent to you? Well, I don't think it, you know. We talked. Is it the end of fine dining? No, because this. Uh, no, because uh, it wasn't a restaurant that was known for for its food. But it is the end of a. I mean, the Four Seasons was very much of a period restaurant. I mean, the way it looked, I mean, the way it looks, because they're not going to change a lot of it, but uh, yeah, the, the Philip Don- Johnson interior, it was one of the great uh, living modernist spaces, certainly in New York, and then therefore sort of in the world. Yeah, I think and this moder- is probably mo- a good thing. And, and modernism is is uh, now not modern anymore, right? So, yeah. Well, no. But there's still, but there's still, it's a, wonder- a, str- it's a wonderful thing. a strong lure and appeal to people. Yeah, and it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's timeless. Like, it's at like, this point. It's, it's like dining in a museum. It's a, it's a beautifully designed uh, space designed for what you're doing there, which is enjoying really a noonday meal. Again, I'm, t- I'm talking about the grill room and not the, not the pool room. And, uh, and, and also the clientele are very, very much 
a part of this world. It's you know, mostly financial. It was also a place where, like I said, um, magazine editors, you know, grandees, the great and carters of the world would take people, uh, screenwriters, uh, you know, Hollywood titans. You know, it was really sort of the cross-section. Big LA magnates came to New York. They'd go have lunch at the Four Seasons. And so, you know, I think for that generation of that kind of person, it was the place to go, and that generation is passing from the scene and it's being replaced. So I don't, I don't know that it's, it's sad because, like, we, we don't go there all the time. But I, I think uh, the beauty of it to me was it was really a living museum. It wasn't a museum. To call it a museum would be to sort of slight it, but it was like you, you had a chance to actually partake of a sort of an every, everyday activity in this, in this really beautiful cathedral space, provided you had the money to pay $900 for your crab cake. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so it's not the passing of fine dining. It's the passing of a, it was a late 20th century New York restaurant. It uh, sounds it like a, a country club setting transplanted to a beautiful dining room in Midtown Manhattan. What is this? The co- grill what are you talking room, about? What are you the t- pool room. Whatever. Crab cake. What? So what? 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 So it's, a, it's not a country club. We're not, you know, a country club is not a New York, we're not, we're not. You're in, right. It's not a New York thing. We're not were, in Gross Point anymore, my friend. Michigan people, country clubs. Didn't even enter our heads. Country clubs. Uh, I don't know, man. I mean, the room is. So the, you don't miss it. You're not going to miss it. No, I'm not going to miss it. Are you? Gonna not, go, I don't even. Miss, are you going to? I don't the, even miss what it represents. Having some sort of passing. I don't think that there's anything. It's time has come. Worth celebrating about that era. Time to time to go. The, the question is, will they find another spot? Nicolini, they're they're going down the street to open another place, or, or will they patronize? Uh, I, th- I the think new that's restaurant. what's interesting is that there are a lot of people who seem to be uh, rushing in to fill the void that they feel is now there. The sense of, yeah, I don't, well, where is that? That's the, the question. I don't think, you know what? I, I don't think it's going to. I think a lot of restaurants and a lot of restaurateurs I don't, are gunning to be the next I version of I that place. But it, will, it will be, it may be popular, but it won't have this sort of... Eleven Madison Park guys opening a new restaurant that they're calling the Four Seasons on Steroids, I believe. Oh, so they're the trying quote. to... Where, where, all right. Okay. Uh, Where's that going to be? I think it's on Lexington, somewhere in Midtown. Yeah, so it's all ironic because, like we're saying, that, that market, that those people, uh, you know, like the Lions of the Serengeti, are dwindling. You know, that generation is yeah, dwindling. Still, they haven't been replaced by new captains of industry. No, but that, that poem, that, that's our point. They're your fr- those are your friends. They're, they're not going to the Four Seasons. You know, I don't think, uh, you know, who's your friend who runs Facebook? That guy. He ain't going to the Four Seasons. Zuckerberg. I mean, they, they, those guys don't go. They don't go out to lunch. They're, they, you know, they're, they put on their virtual headsets. And yeah, that's they, what they, Soylent is for. They drink, they drink Soylent and they smell vapors and they, they're not, they're not going there. That's the whole thing. It's like, I don't, I don't think that it'll, it'll be replaced. Certainly the, that zeitgeist won't be replaced. And I don't think the people who made it their restaurant are going to go are going to uh, patronize a new place. Yeah, that, there's be, always going to be rich people and they're always going to need places to eat. <clears throat> The rich people bought the sign. They're going to put their sign up in their, you know, no, their man cave, and they're going to show it to the other friends in their man cave, and they're going to drink whiskey, and they're going to talk about it, and then they're going to forget about it and watch football. If it's the end of anything, perhaps it is the end of the expense account launch era. God, I hope not. (laughs) Pray for my expense account. Should we say a little prayer for my expense account, Admiral? Well, we'll do that off the air. Please, please, please. (laughs) 
And just like the restaurant that we've been talking about, this episode is over. You're, you're, over. You're just like, you're not a sentimental. You, I just. The, there's the, not a sentimental bone in your body. That's not true. I think that, you know, this this was not a restaurant that appealed to a salt of the earth crowd, you know? Much like you're, you. So you, who cares? You're a salt so of the, the earth. the billionaires have to go somewhere else to have lunch and hobnob. Tattooed Bushwick. Goodbye. Bushwickites. Salt of the earth. With their glistening computers and their, you know. Carefully curled the whiskers. That's what I say. Four seasons. See ya. (laughs) We'll be back next week. Two weeks. It's ridiculous. My thanks as always to Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers at Panoply. Our noble producer Sam Dingman today behind a glass partition, unable to partake in any sort of lovely foods. Uh, For Adam Platt, I'm Alan Sitzma. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode of the Grub Street Podcast. 